the world has changed. In 1970, you could buy a princess phone that came in white, black, avocado, and some ugly, ugly gold color. Today, in a normal classroom or in a real estate office, there are more different types of phones than even existed 15 years ago. In 1492, a person could read a book a week and read every single book in the Oxford Library in a year and a half. Today, American companies alone publish almost 300 books daily. There are 87,000 versions of Starbucks coffee. There are 1,500 different cabinet handles at Home Depot. And Netflix has over 35,000 movies. Ten years ago, the New York Times estimated that the average person was exposed to over 3,200 commercial messages every single day, ten times the amount of ten years previous. Today, that number is over 30,000. So what happens? What is the result of all these messages, of all this fast-moving stuff in our abundant society? Option overload. Here's what happens when option overload hits. Consumers, and that's you and I too, can no longer keep up. They're easily distracted and also easily dissatisfied. Sometimes they end up making poor choices and sometimes they don't choose at all. So the question becomes, what do they do? How do they choose? Well, I'll tell you how most of them choose. They pick the most trustworthy and seemingly competent person or thing that they hope meets their needs. So how do you make sure that person is you? How do you position yourself so that in a world of overcrowded, abundant, monstrously numerous commercial messages, they pick you? The answer, marketing. What follows is the seven irrefutable laws of marketing designed to help you stand out from the masses, have a more friendly, automatic business acquisition plan, and make more money. If that sounds good to you, let's keep going. Marketing law number one. Sales is a people business, so you must interact with people. Every business requires some form of investment and a sufficient number of customers. That's what web finance says. The question you and I would have is, well, how many customers do I need? How many people do I need to know? When I first got into the real estate business 23 years ago, my mentor and friend Rick DeLuca taught me that I needed to know 100 people. Robin Dunbar who is a professor of evolutionary anthropology at Oxford and author of the book, How Many Friends Does One Person Need?, says we know 150 people, and that's about all we can really handle. The truth is, there are a certain number of people who are somehow, in some way, a part of your life. Now, according to the surveys done of funeral directors, and caterer associations, on the average, each of us has a personal sphere of influence of at least 200 people. And who would know better than funeral directors and caterer associations? So how many is the perfect or even right number? Well, I'm not sure there is a definitive answer to that question. It's kind of like prunes. Is one enough? It's three too many? It depends on you. So base the number of people in your sphere of influence on your ability to regularly stay in touch with them without breaking the bank and keeping your message personal and relevant. Marketing law number two. Relationships are important, so you must know your people and yourself. A long time ago, my daddy taught me this. There are two kinds of people in this world, us and them. And while that may sound just a little bit paranoid, there are two kinds of people in a sales business. The people that you already know and the people who are strangers. When I look back on every deal that fell through, uh, every time that I had trouble with a potential seller or buyer, most of the time, these were the people who somehow came into my life as strangers. I didn't already know them. They didn't already know me. They came into my business somehow as strangers. So I want to work with people that I know, like, and trust who know, like, and trust me. That's your sphere of influence. 
Now, ideally, your sphere of influence and anyone in it knows who you are, they know what you do, and they know where you do it. And that's sort of the guideline that I've always had for who belongs in my sphere. Now, social media sites like Facebook have changed the definition of the word friend to where it's a little more loosely um, defined with acquaintances and people that you don't even know. But my real life sphere, they know who I am, they know what I do, they know where I do it. Where do I find these people? What are the sources of my sphere? Well, that one's pretty simple. Family and friends, neighbors, people that you've done business with in the past. And by the way, if you're relatively new in the business, these can be people that you've dealt with in any business. By the way, if I used to be a great accountant or I used to be a great teacher, most of my friends assume that I'm going to be a pretty good real estate agent. They come from your niches, the things you like to do. I happen to run, and a great deal, a great many of my sphere are people who run just like I do. And then they come from the people that you interact with every day, your accountant, your doctor, your dentist, the fireman, the guy who puts your cable in. Anyone who serves you is the potential to be someone who may want to be served by you. Why use my sphere? Well, I think the answers here make a compelling point to being able to develop and utilize a strong sphere of influence. First, I am not strangers to these people. There is no us and them. They're part of us, and we're already past phase one. They know me. They like me. They trust me. We've built rapport. There's a predictability factor with my sphere of influence. The National Association of Realtors tells real estate agents that last year, 63% of all sellers used a realtor that they either already knew or it was referred to them by someone that they knew. 50% of buyers fell into the same boat. The cost of getting new business. Marketing gurus tell us that it costs three to five times more to find a new client than keep an old one. So you save in marketing costs by dealing with the people who already know you, trust you, and love you. Last but not least, your loyal clients become advocates. The more people know you and utilize your services, the more they trust you, and the more they will go out into the world and advocate on your behalf. It would also be a good idea to know what is called the worldview of your people. Worldview is a term to refer to the rules, values, beliefs, and biases that an individual has in relation to the world in any situation in that world. People who are like each other tend to like each other. So look at your sphere and examine the things you have in common. If you know your people and you know what they like and you know what they value and what they believe, you are better equipped to reach them. Now, how do you build a sphere? Well, if you've never built one before, you don't really have it down anywhere, you begin with listing everyone you know, everyone that you know. Get their address, get their phone number, get their email address, and find them on Facebook if you can. Look for the common thread that ties you to all of these people. By the way, you'll find them everywhere. You'll find them in your contact list for your email. You'll find them in your phone. You'll find them on cocktail napkins, sticky notes, um, church lists, running organization rosters. You'll find them all over the place. But when you get them all written down, pare that number down to where it's manageable. Adding new people is simple. I use the same phrase today that Rick DeLuca taught me years ago, which is this. I have a list of special people that I periodically send real estate information to. Would you like to be on a list like that? Rarely do the people that you've met who seem to know you like you and trust you say no. Once the sphere is in place, Let's classify them. Let's divide them up into groups so that we can keep track of who are the front burner people in my sphere, who are kind of the back burner in my sphere, and who are the people that don't even belong on my stove. So let's talk about your peeps. I divide them into four groups, and one of those groups has a subgroup. A's are my advocates, and I divide my advocates into two groups, A1 and A2. An A1 
If an A1 woke up tomorrow morning and needed to buy or sell a home, they would contact me. There is no doubt whatsoever in my mind, I know this would happen. Every one of us has people like this in our group of peeps. The key to an A1 person is they will network for me. If they're at some kind of a social gathering and someone says the words real estate, they'll go, oh my gosh, you have to talk to my realtor, Rich. He is incredible. In fact, I have 25 of his business cards right here in my pocket. Here, take one. Give him a call. He's awesome. My A2 people, my second group of advocates, are just a little different. If they're going to buy or sell, I still know they're going to use me but they'll only give me a referral if I happen to ask them for one at a time when they know someone. The difference between my A1 and A2 people is their personality. My A1s are much more outgoing. They're networkers. And again, networking is great, but some people just aren't built for it. So my A2 people may be a little shy or maybe a little more reserved. I tend to be an A2 person. I just don't run around recommending my dentist or my accountant or my favorite realtor. My B people is the biggest group of my sphere. These are the people I need to brainwash. These are the people that I'm not sure if when they woke up tomorrow morning and needed to buy or sell, that they'd call me. I don't know if I'm on their speed dial. I don't know if I'm their realtor. So my marketing is designed to promote these people. My marketing is designed to send them the message that tomorrow, if they wake up and need to buy or sell, I'm the person they need to call. And as I mentioned, this will probably be the biggest portion of your sphere of influence. My C people are my current clients and they are the best source that any of us has for referral business because they're in the middle of a real estate transaction. It has top of mind awareness for them. Don't forget these people while you're working with them that they're talking about it and they're talking about it everywhere. So tap them for a referral every now and then or at least make sure they know that you can help people that they know if they happen to be buying or selling a home. My D people, well, let's keep this simple. They're the ones I need to delete. They're the people who really don't belong on my sphere. And, and I look at their name and go, who, what? I don't know these people. Or, oh yeah, they're the ones that bought a house and used that other agent last time. D people, delete them. Constantly go through your sphere of influence. And by constantly, I mean at least quarterly. And make sure you're weeding out the bad weeds that are going to infect that garden that is your sphere of influence. Marketing law number three. Old style interruption marketing no longer works. Permission is everything. Old marketing was marketer to consumer. Today's best marketing is consumer to consumer. In old style marketing, people felt like they were being spammed, and we still are, in many cases, being spammed. In new style marketing, permission is granted to give relevant informational types of information. Old style marketing dealt with just the features. New style marketing tells a story to create benefits. Chris Anderson, who wrote a fantastic book called The Long Tail, said top-down messaging is losing traction while bottom-up buzz is gaining power. What we want to do is take this information that we have and understand how old marketing used to work and how new marketing does work and put it to our use. So let's talk about a concept brought forth by marketing guru Seth Godin called Flipping the Funnel. Old style marketing taught us that if you wanted that deal to come out of the bottom of the funnel, you had to load it up top very heavily. So if you want that deal to come out at the bottom, well, how many appointments did you have to have? How many contracts did you have to write? And in order to have that many contacts, do that many presentations, write that many contracts, how many people did you have to get in touch with? And in order to directly get in touch with that many people, how many did you have to have being fed into the funnel? The problem with feeding the funnel from the top down is it's expensive and it takes a lot of time. So Godin suggests that we flip the funnel. 
that we focus on a smaller group of people and make them such advocates, such raving fans, that they will help us spread the message. Keep this in mind. When you flip the funnel, it can become a megaphone. That brings us to a similar concept, the rule of 50. The rule of 50 implies that you and I know 50 people really well, 50 people who adore us, who would, if they knew how to do it and could be reminded to do it, would tell people how great we were. Well, if we know 50 people, the chances are that those 50 people know 50 people. That's 2,500 people. If 10% of them were to move, that's 250 people. And if I got two sides of those, that's potentially 500 real estate sides. Now, that may seem like a lot, and this may be theoretical, but I think you get the concept. Know people who know people. Marketing law number four. Marketing and prospecting are two different things with different goals, different protocol, and different results. As a guy who used to teach Colorado history, when I think of prospecting, I think of little old men with gray beards squatted over next to the river looking for gold. And here's what I know. The reality is 98% of them found nothing. Prospecting is hard. Prospecting is short term. In prospecting, you're looking for them. You're going after them. You're chasing them. Now, there are a lot of different ways to prospect. Cold calling is prospecting. Door knocking is prospecting. The best two ways I know to prospect are for sale by owners, because you already know they want to sell their house, and expired listings, because you already know they've listed their house. So at least both of those groups have motivation. And in many cases, I don't have to prospect to them to find out if they're motivated. I already know they're motivated, which is different than my sphere. I'm trying to find out who wants to buy, who wants to sell. For sale by owners and expireds have already told me that they want to sell. Marketing, on the other hand, is a long-term process. It's meant to build relationships, but it's also meant to make it so that they call me. And that's a whole lot different than me chasing them. There are five essentials of marketing, and I want to go through them right now. The first is personal promotion. To get business, you have to be known as the leader in your area of business. And so you have to make your marketing about you, except here's the catch. It's about you, but it's not. What it has to be about is how you can help them. If I'm a consumer, I want to know more than anything what's in it for me. So your personal promotion has to be about how you can be the one who can help me. Now, as you look at your database and you think about these people that you're trying to draw to you, Understand that your database is multifaceted. It's everywhere. We mentioned this before when we were putting together our sphere of influence. Marketing can happen anywhere. It can happen because of your mailing list. It can happen on Facebook. It can happen on Twitter. It's everywhere you want to reach your people. So how do we promote ourselves? Well, I think one of the best ways to promote ourselves is to understand what buyers and sellers want. And the National Association of Realtors tells us every year in their profile of home buyers and sellers exactly what they want. Sellers need help to sell their home within a specific time frame. They need help to market their home to potential buyers. They need help in finding a buyer. They need help in pricing their home effectively. Buyers need help to find the right home to purchase. They need help with price negotiations. They need help with the negotiating of the terms of sale. If you have a good handle on what people want, what buyers and sellers want, you have the topic for your marketing. How can you help them with the things that they're already telling you they want? Essential number two, you must create an individual point of difference, an iPod, so to speak. The greatest example of this is Coke and Pepsi and how they've gathered together such a loyal group of raving fans when in blind taste tests, most people cannot tell the difference between a Coke 
or a Pepsi, but their marketing has made each one of them stand out and become more attractive to their own fans. Now, is the difference product or is it perception? Essential number three, effective marketing happens prior to the point of first contact. So you have a friend and they wake up tomorrow morning and they roll over and they look around and they say, wow, I don't want to live here anymore. I really need to sell this place. What do you hope they do? Well, you hope that they contact you. Well, in order for them to contact you tomorrow morning when they wake up and they've decided it's time to move, when did you need to be their agent? The answer is simple. If you want them to wake up and think of you tomorrow morning, you needed to be their agent when they go to bed tonight. The goal of marketing is to be their agent before they need one. If you are not their agent before they need one and they wake up tomorrow and are thinking about selling or they're thinking about buying, it's a good chance that they're not going to contact you. They're not going to contact you at all. They might walk out the front door of their house and see that sign in the house next door and that that property just went under contract and they'll call that realtor. They may go sit on some realtor's ad on a park bench and call that realtor or see them on the side of a bus or listen to a message on cable television. We have to be their agent before they need one. Well, if be their agent before they need one is the goal of marketing, then what's the message? I think the message is simple. I'm your agent. 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 That, of course, brings us very appropriately to essential number four, frequency. Repetition is everything. Repetition is how people learn. And what I'm trying to get them to learn is that I'm their agent. That's why my message is, I'm your agent, I'm your agent, I'm your agent, I'm your agent. So how often do we have to bombard them or subtly tell them that we're their agent? Well, I look at two different sets of numbers for this. Marketing people around the world say that there is this phenomenon called the remembrance factor. And that people, when given a marketing message, when prompted, will remember that message for somewhere between 16 and 21 days. Now, the National Association of Realtors says that a message sent is remembered for roughly 21 to 24 days. Well, my thought is, hmm, 16 to 21, 21 to 24, what's the number there? Oh, yeah, seems to be 21 or at least twice a month. I don't want to have my friend wake up 27 days after the last piece of marketing I sent and forget about me. Essential number five, you have to control image, your brand, and the perception of both. It doesn't matter what's true. It matters what the consumer thinks is true. And this can work in a good way or in a bad way. Perception is truth. So how do we control perception? We position ourselves. If you want to be known as giving great customer service, then you give great customer service and you market about your great customer service. Customer service is one of those things that until I actually experience yours, I don't know if it's good or bad. So until I experience it, I'll believe whatever you tell me. And if you tell me enough, I'll probably believe you. Same thing with market expertise. Same thing with negotiating skills. We control perception with spaced repetition. Twice a month, twice a month, twice a month, twice a month. It would help if we could be the first in our area to be whatever it is that we choose to be recognized as. It would really help if we could be ourselves, if being the customer service expert was a part of our nature, if being a negotiator was something that we just do well. Those are the five essential marketing principles. So let's go to marketing law number five. You have to have a strong core. For your marketing to be effective, it has to be supported by the core or the backbone of your business, your vision, your mission, your business plan, your marketing plan.
And while all of these things are important, also a great part of your core that we rarely talk about is your website. And your website ought to have two things that it may or may not have. It ought to have a blog, that'll help you market, and it ought to have videos. They'll help you position yourself to be someone that they choose over everyone else out there in the masses of agents. So let's just take a moment and talk about websites and how they might help you market yourself. According to the National Association of Realtors, a real estate consumer is looking for two things in a real estate website. They want to be able to search for property and they want to be able to search for all of the property and they want real estate information. Anything else fell so far below these two in the rankings that essentially I can tell you there are only two things that consumers want in a real estate website. Search for property and obtain real estate information. Well, two effective ways that people can obtain real estate information is through a blog and through videos. So let's talk about blogging to begin. Why blog? Well, here's some reasons. First off, you can help people and we're all in the business to help people. And the way you help people is that you're sharing your experiences. Now, I have to tell you, I have a blog and I write on it pretty much weekly if I can. And when I'm done with a good blog and I post it out there and people start reading it and maybe I get some comments on it, one of the reasons that pushes me to blog is the self-gratification. I start to feel good about what I'm doing because I'm helping people by offering them insight. And occasionally, I even motivate someone to perhaps do something that they didn't know they were ready to do. Now, the two easiest places to start a blog are Blogger and WordPress. If you've never blogged before, Blogger is a great place to start. All you need to do to make a blogger blog is type in a title in a little box at the top and then write your blog below it in the text section. It's pretty simple. It's easy to upload. You can make it as fancy as you want. If you want to take it to the next level, you can go to WordPress, but get the blog out there. Here's four tips for your blog. Focus it on you. Focus it on your core values, what you believe, and how you run your business. Be relevant. Make it about things that people want to know. Make it about the things that's important to them and that will help them in their lives. Update it regularly. As I said before, I suggest weekly, and that's W-E-E-K, not W-E-A-K. And then finally, have fun. Be yourself. Make it a good thing that you're doing. Next, video. If you can blog it, you can shoot it in a video. Video will help build your brand. Video, I, I wanna say, is the new marketing. Video was the new marketing. Video's yesterday's thing. We as an industry have just yet to actually keep up with the rest of the world. It is estimated that by 2016, 85% of internet usage will be people watching videos. Videos will help build your brand. They'll help you inform people about the things that you think they need to know about what they tell you they need to know. It's easy to find a video. First off, if it's on your website, it's easy to find. But if you make it relevant and you show people where it is, they'll find it on your YouTube channel if that's where you choose to keep them. Most videos are easy to edit. If you have an Apple or a Mac system, get iMovie. For some of you, it came free. You didn't even know it was there. You don't even know how to use it. iMovie is very easy to use, makes it very easy to edit your videos. If you have a PC, go with Windows Movie Maker. Both are conceptually very similar, and editing a video is not as difficult as you might think. Go to google.com, type in how do I edit a video in whichever, iMovie or Windows Movie Maker, and you'll be good to go. Content, what can I shoot videos of? Well, obviously, and I'm not sure that this is the greatest marketing tool necessarily for your sphere of influence, but it'll sure help you in a listing presentation. You could do home videos, home video tours of your listings. That's great marketing. It's a great way to get the property out in front of vast numbers of people, and it shows what you do. Now, beyond that, let's make them a little more informational. You could do a neighborhood video. 
Videos of neighborhoods might include things like the history of the neighborhood, great places to eat, some things about the market, anything that will help people understand that this neighborhood might be a good option for them. What it will position you as is the person who knows everything there is to know about neighborhoods in a given area. Market expertise videos. I know agents who every quarter come on and do a video about their market. Here's the latest information, you know, the average sales price is this, it's gone up this percent, here's what this means to you, and they shoot a nice little video about the market. The third kind, and I think the kind that gets neglected the most, is the informational video. Now, take this theory I'm about to give you, take this idea, and let's even move it into your blogging realm. You're standing in line at the supermarket. Someone comes up and either through casual conversation or because you're wearing a name badge, they say, hey, you're a real estate agent. And you say, well, yes, I am. They say what they always say. How's the market? You, because you're awesome and not the average realtor, don't say things like, it's good, it's great, it's super, it's fantastic. You actually tell them something. So maybe you tell them a little bit about the market and maybe in your market, supply is down and demand is good and multiple offers are out there. And then they say to you, well, gosh, seems like it would be difficult to be a buyer in a multiple offer setting. You could answer that couldn't you? Well, how you answered that question, isn't it difficult to be a buyer in a multiple offer setting, could be a blog post. It could be a video. You have answers to a ton of questions. Don't just limit them to the people who ask the questions. Send the message out. Market yourself. Do it so that it works and it's effective and people see you as the person they want to call the source for all of their real estate information. Marketing law number six, good marketing tells stories. Think about why you buy a book. Well, first books contain stories, but most often we buy a book not for the story in the book. We buy because of the story we tell ourselves about the book. While we theoretically don't judge a book by its cover, it's often the cover that can be the catalyst for the story we tell ourselves. Wow, this one's orange, just like that other book I read that was so good. This must be a good book. Or hey, isn't this the book that so-and-so told me about that's so awesome? It's the story that you tell yourself that makes you buy the book. Great marketing tells stories. Now, some of the stories are fiction. I've heard for years that if I break a mirror, I'll have seven years of bad luck. Well, if that's the case, I am in trouble for a long time and have been in trouble for a long time. And if, by the way, my life is what bad luck looks like, then man, I'd hate to have good luck. Some of the stories we hear, though, are true. You know what? Cars that get 50 miles per gallon do conserve energy. So what stories do you believe? Is a home-cooked meal better for you and your family? Well, that's a story we've always heard. Organic food is better for you, isn't it? Doesn't shopping for lingerie make you feel pretty? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not going there. Marketing equals storytelling, and everything you do either supports or doesn't support your story. But before you tell someone a story, you have to ask yourself, would you believe it? Do you live it? Is it true? Remarkable goods and services help ideas spread, not just hype. There has to be authenticity. Some of you, and I say some of you because I'm not one, love sushi. When you go to the sushi bar, who are you expecting to wait on you? A Mexican chef? A black chef? Maybe an Italian chef? No, you're looking for the Asian chef. You're looking for the Japanese chef because the chef needs to match the menu and it needs to match the decor for the story to be authentic. So the question becomes, in the real estate business, what's your story? Marketing law number seven. 
In order to deliver your marketing message effectively, the message must be relevant and you must utilize a mix of marketing options. So what's your message? Are you sending out schedules? Sending out chicken fettuccine recipes? Well, here's what I don't want to be known for. I don't want to be at a social gathering and overhear a conversation like this. Oh, you bought chicken today? You need to talk to Rich Sands. He has the best chicken fettuccine recipes of anyone I know. It's not what I'm looking for. It's not the message I want to send. I'd rather be brought up in the conversation that goes like this. Oh, you're thinking about selling a home? You're thinking about buying a home? You need to call Rich Sands. He's my agent. He can help you. In order to send that message, I should be sending relevant content. What is relevant content? Well, we discussed it before. It's the things that sellers want from you. It is the items that buyers want from you. If you know what those are, if you can identify those pieces, you'll go a long way in deciding what is a relevant marketing message. Again, the occasional recipe is not bad. I just don't want to be the recipe guy. The recipe guy owns a restaurant somewhere or a cooking show. I'm the real estate guy. In order to effectively send my messages, I need a mixture of venues. If I just do it one way over and over and over and over, while that consistency could be somewhat effective, it also may come to a point where everything looks the same to my people and so they don't notice anything. I don't capture their attention. So I like to use a marketing mix of four things, direct mail, phone, in-person contacts, and social media. Let's talk about them one at a time. Direct mail. We're talking about postcards, newsletters, items about the market, just listed, just sold cards, and general real estate information. Now, direct mail comes in two packages. They're the things that I actually send out through the United States Post Office that people can touch, feel, hold in their hand, and direct mail these days is also electronic. It could be that electronic email. It can be that electronic postcard. It can be whatever it is I'm going to send, but I'm sending it electronically. These two pieces, postal, electronic, can mirror each other. I can send out a postcard and also send out an electronic postcard. Now, postcards are great because postcards allow you to deliver a short, meaningful, relevant message in a condensed venue. Newsletters are wonderful because a newsletter allows you to put in whatever you might want to put into the effort. I used to use a newsletter that was very effective because it talked about two things. It talked about real estate and it talked about running and roughly 80% of my sphere of influence were other people who ran. So a newsletter can be a very personal, relevant sort of thing. Postcards about the market can be fantastic. Realtors around the country utilize different ways of explaining absorption rates and appreciation and average sales price differences in the last four, five, six years, put them in a graph or a nice visual format and allow them to speak for themselves about your expertise in the marketplace. Just simple postcards like the market has changed and, and on the back tell people about the market. As always, as I said before, just listed and just sold cards are great. And the great thing about them is they're evidence of success. So whether you're a veteran or whether you're brand new, your people want to know you can do it. I know you. I like you. I trust you. I do want to know that you've done this real estate thing before. The phone. I think I've done the phone thing every way that it's meant to be done. I've done the five-step call. I've done the four-step call. I've done the Ford call. And now I do some different kinds of calls. But let's talk about the phone and see if we can put it into perspective. For a lot of you, a script or a dialogue and directing people of what they should do next and asking for referrals is a completely comfortable setting. It never was for me. I needed a more subtle phone call because I don't like the sales call myself, so I can't imagine that someone I'm doing that to likes them any more than I did. So I learned to use the Ford 
call. FORD stands for Family, Occupation, Recreation, Dreams. So I pick up the phone and I call my people, my sphere of influence, just to catch up. How's the family? How's so-and-so? How are the kids? We haven't seen Johnny at soccer practice lately. How's the job? Hey, I heard you got a promotion. That's pretty cool. What have you been doing for fun lately? You know, we haven't been golfing in a long time. You know, where do you see yourself in 10 years and five years? Now, by the way, of the Ford, the D is probably the most unused on the phone call. It's seldom that we're really going to delve into people's dreams over the phone, no matter how well you know them. The Ford call for me has evolved into the Facebook call. When I scour my wall looking at my peeps and what they're doing in their lives, what I find is there are basically four kinds of posts. There's the link where they share something that they saw and they decide to pass it on to their friends. There is the casual observation. And then there are people that are either celebrating something in their lives or lamenting or complaining about something in their lives. Those are the two people I'm looking for, the people who are celebrating and the people who are lamenting. And while it's great to go ahead and comment on whatever it is they said, I make a point a few times a day to pick up the phone and actually call people. I don't have to find out about the family now. I don't have to find out about the job now. I don't have to find out what they're doing for fun. They're telling me on Facebook. So my call is directed. Hey, I saw that post you did today about your job promotion. Isn't that great? Tell me all about it. And as an extra added bonus, let's talk about using the phone as a means of follow-up. Now, while follow-up couldn't be considered maybe a direct form of marketing, anytime you pick up the phone and talk to someone, you're marketing. I mean, you're creating an impression, or at least hopefully it's a good impression. So let's talk about follow-up. I don't know if you know this, but less than 1% of agents call their client within 24 hours of closing to check on them. That's amazing because right after I've closed a property, that is the time I am the most excited. Less than 18% of agents ever call their client again after closing to check in on them. So I'm just going to give you a three-point calling system that will make it easy for you to follow up with your people and stay in the loop. First, call them three days after the closing three days after the closing. They could be moving, they could have just moved, maybe they're preparing to move, but check in on them and see how they're doing. Maybe they'll have problems, you know what? Don't panic, maybe you can help. An opportunity to help is a fantastic thing. Then call them three weeks afterwards. Three weeks, they've probably settled in. Hopefully you were paying attention and when they told you about that thing that they were going to do, well, as soon as we move into the house, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Well, this is a great time to say, hey, you know, one of the things you told me was that as soon as you moved in, you were going to replace the carpeting. You know, has it happened yet? It shows you listened and it shows you care enough to follow up. Then call after three months. It's just another checkup call and it's just to see how they're doing. Now, I know the next thing I'm going to tell you has nothing to do with the phone, but as Columbo would say, just one more thing. Thank you notes. Thank you notes are possibly the best non-marketing marketing tool that has ever existed. Anytime I make a direct contact with someone, I try to send them a thank you note. I want it to be handwritten. I like using a blue flare or a black flare sharpie type pen write large and clear and be specific four or five lines only don't ask for business just thank them hey thanks for your time on the phone today or it was really great to see you today loved catching up i'm really excited about your whatever it is but be sure you be specific there if there's ever anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to give me a call, uh, thanks, or see you soon, or love and kisses, or whatever. And then do not, I repeat, do not put a business card in it. Hand address it, make the return address handwritten, and you'll separate yourself from everyone else. But if they open it and your card falls out, you just wrecked it. In-person marketing. 
I think there are three ways you can do the in-person marketing thing. In-person basically means face-to-face. So let's talk about the three, stopping by, the client event, and what I love to call lunch. First off, stopping by. Stopping by is face-to-face. I think in Brian Buffini world, they call it the drop-by. Well, occasionally, I'll just stop by my people and see how they're doing. If I'm in the neighborhood or if they posted something on Facebook or if it's the holidays, it's their birthday, it's whatever, there might be a reason to just pop in. So go ahead, pop in. Don't be afraid. The client event. The client event can be 15 people in your backyard or it can be several hundred in a music hall. Whatever it is, understand this. The client event is an awesome way to get your people to be talking about you because for the most part, the only thing that any of those people at your client event have in common is you. People who do client events will tell you referrals flow from a client event because it brings the focus to you and it gets a buzz going about you. Lunch. Keith Ferrazzi wrote a book called Never Eat Alone. Well, I'm not sure about that, but periodically, and when I say periodically, at least quarterly, maybe monthly, I take five of my people to lunch. And here's the idea behind it. I invite five of them under the premise that, hey, you're in my sphere of influence, you receive my marketing materials, I'm thinking about making some changes, and I would love your input. Here's what I've learned. People love two things about this. First, they love the fact that you're buying them lunch, and second, they cannot resist the opportunity to tell someone else how to run their business. Most of your people who you invite will go. So who do you invite? Well, I invite two of my A1 people, my stark, loony, raving nuts fans. I invite one current client, current buyer, current seller, and I invite two people who need to be brainwashed. I bring my latest marketing piece, whatever it is. I have one for each of them. I pass it around the table. I say something like, well, what do you think? You know, what could be better? How did you feel about this? And I let them take over the conversation. It usually doesn't take long before my A1 people are controlling the conversation and doing a great deal of my brainwashing for me. Never left lunch without at least two names, two referrals. Next, let's deal with this social media thing. And by social media, all kinds of things can come to mind. LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, Google+. But I want to focus on Facebook. And what I want to give you in Facebook is a simple plan that will help you connect with people and perhaps get them to remember you when they're ready to buy or sell. The program is called 10123. The 10 stands for 10 minutes. This program will take you 10 minutes. Now, I know people who do 10, 1, 2, 3, three times a day, five times a day, but at a minimum, once a day, 10 minutes. The 1 stands for the update. You're going to do one update. You're going to answer that question in the little box that says, what's on your mind? Now, you can do all different kinds of updating. Some people make observations about their lives. Um, Many people share what they're actually doing, you know, heading home, uh, been to the beach, going to work, doing whatever. Some people share blog posts. Now, personally, I'm talking about your personal Facebook page. So if I have a blog post that could relate to anybody in my group of Facebook friends, I might post it. If it's really real estate specific, I'm not sure that it belongs on my personal page. It may belong on a business page. Pictures, share pictures, make comments about them. Picture will get you twice the exposure and two times the comments usually that just words alone will get. Share events that are going on in your life. Share links to really cool websites or articles about all kinds of things. If you shoot some video, and maybe it's home video, maybe it's Johnny doing a soccer goal and scoring the big game winner or whatever, 
share videos. Now again, on my personal page, I want to share the things that would apply to all of my people without it looking like I'm trying to sell them. Sell them on your business page. If I'm your friend, I signed up to be your friend. I didn't sign up for you to business me. We all know that guy who sells insurance and no matter where you are with him or when it is or anything, he's selling you insurance. Don't be that guy on Facebook. Now, having said that, I don't have a problem with you telling me what you're doing. Hey, I'm showing three properties today. Think we might write an offer. That works for the personal page, or at least it works for me as your friend. What doesn't work is, hey, here are the 26 pictures of my new listing, or here's price reduction on my new listing. Um, you know, here's the 25 ways I can best serve you. That doesn't work. The two stands for two new friends. Now, there are a lot of ways to make friends on Facebook. The easiest way is people find you and they want to be your friend. Well, that's kind of cool. I like that. What I try to do diligently is I try to cross-reference my Facebook friends with my sphere of influence. Every day, people you know are still getting onto Facebook. I would love it if my Facebook friend list could mirror my sphere of influence. That way, I have a brand new technology, Facebook, even though it's not brand new, but I have a brand new way to reach them. Facebook can be about helping you connect with people, and that's what marketing is all about to begin with. There's also a section in Facebook of the people you may know, and it'll tell you, hey, you may know so-and-so. You have 14 mutual friends. You may know this person over here. I look through those and go, oh, yeah, I do know so-and-so, and I try to add them as a friend. Another great thing to do to find friends is what is called cherry picking. Cherry picking is when you take a look at one of your friends' friend lists. And what you're looking for is the people that you might have forgotten. Oh, yeah, I know John Doe. Oh, yeah, I know Mary Washington. Oh, yeah, I know Abe Lincoln. If I can find fr my friends through my friends' friends, it's just a nice way to kind of increase the people that I know and my friends on Facebook. Keep in mind, Facebook is a database, so we want to try to match that database with your sphere of influence. The three is the moneymaker. Connect with a purpose. I do two things when I wake up in the morning. The first thing I do is I read my email. I go through and get rid of the junk. I read something that looks really, really important, and then I just close it up, and I'll get the rest of it later. Then I go onto Facebook, and I do birthdays. And then I go looking for my three people that I can connect with with a purpose in mind. I'm looking for those people who are celebrating something. I'm looking for those people who are lamenting over something. I'm looking for people who maybe just shared something that was really cool. I'm looking to connect with some of my peeps. Now, connecting with your peeps is not pushing the like button. I know the like button's easy, and I know we like it when people like our stuff, but we connect with people by communicating with them. If they're celebrating, tell them how happy you are for them, how proud you are of them. Write something, and that message will help connect. We're just pushing the like button. You'll get lost in the vast compound of all the other people who are pushing the like button. Don't be a liker. Be a connector. Another great way to connect with people on Facebook is to get off of your wall and go right on to theirs. If I have a friend who's, let's say, going to be in town in a week or two and I want to make sure we get together, yeah, I could send them an email. But if I know they're kind of a Facebook fanatic, I could go to Facebook, find them, go to their wall, and just write a message there directly for them. It's a great way to stay in touch with people, especially your people who utilize Facebook a lot. That's 10, 1, 2, 3. It's a simple process and it will work for you and help you connect with the people that you know. So what does all of this stuff cost? What's it going to cost me to be this marketing machine? Well, the answer to that question is it's according to how you're going to do it. Now, I'm going to give you some ideas and some proven methods used by plenty of agents across the country. 
I am not promoting any of these. If I use something personally, I might mention that I use it. Um, but I just want to make you be exposed to numerous ways that you can keep your people in the loop. A lot of agents use a program called Constant Contact. Constant Contact um, is automatic. You can set up your database. You can set it up to deliver your messages whenever you want them. Um, Constant Contact is used by a great many people that I know in the real estate business. Sharper Agent has a marketing component to it that's very effective. The personal real estate marketing system can be a source of over 600 different kinds of marketing pieces that you can print or email or blog or share in any way on social media. Express Copy helps you design, print, and mail postcards online. And the great thing about it is within 24 hours. Most of the time, if you get something to expresscopy.com by 3 p.m. Pacific time, it's on your desk or in people's hands if you share your database the next day. The top producer system has postcards and direct mail options. So does the wise agent system. What you want to be able to do is personalize it, and customize it. Now, some of you are a little more into the making of your own marketing than others. Some of us just want to give it to somebody else and make sure that it's relevant and make sure it's okay. Some of you have the time, but also the energy and focus to want to do a more personalized approach. Well, the thing that I use in my speaking business is MailChimp. So I want to throw in a plug for MailChimp. MailChimp is amazing, and it can be found at www.mailchimp.com. MailChimp is an electronic venue that will help you send relevant marketing messages to your sphere of influence through the use of newsletters, postcards, event announcements, all kinds of different ways. It is a do-it-yourself system. You design what you send. Now, there are hundreds of templates that will satisfy the most picky users out there, a very smooth delivery system. It's easy to learn, and it has built-in tracking so that you know exactly who opened your marketing pieces. That's very do-it-yourself. Now, the next one that I use that I'll give a small plug for is called InTouch. InTouch is a social media marketing tool that is not do-it-yourself. In fact, it is much like the rotisserie chicken infomercial guy who tells you to set it and forget it. InTouch takes the database that you upload and will create a weekly newsletter, post a weekly blog, or update your Facebook and Twitter status on a daily basis automatically. These are no sales pressure type of messages. They're informative, relevant pieces of information designed to help people wherever they live, whether they rent or own, are in the market or out, no matter who they are. When you add birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, and the like, you could subtly touch up to 520 times a year. If you're interested in InTouch, either send me an email at richteaches at gmail.com or go to richsandseminars.com and click on products. So we've covered the seven irrefutable laws of marketing success. Before you go, I want to leave you with 12 tips that will help you. Consider this a bonus. First, know what you know. I like to ask myself three questions. What's my expertise? Where's my interest? Where's my passion? If I know the answer to those three questions, I have ways to market that will be effective and that will get people to connect with me, have relationship with me, and maybe just use me as their real estate agent later down the line. Two, be number one. Be great, get better. Nobody knows who number two is, so be great and strive to be even better. Three, know what you want to say. Make sure your message is clear, relevant, and a reflection of you and your brand. Four, kiss. Keep it simple, salesperson. Five, be relevant. Relevancy is the key to an effective message. Six, 
always tell the truth. Remember, authenticity survives and it thrives. Seven, give love to get love. Marketing is about love. If you want to get it, you've got to give it. Eight, perception is reality. You don't get to decide what people think about you. They do. So be careful what you give them to go on. Nine, I know a lot of people talk about marketing targets. Clients aren't targets. They're people. You need to know them. Ten, soft sell is love. Hard sell is prostitution. Eleven, go big or go home. If you're going to do it, just do it and do it as well as you can. And number 12, I want to leave you with this thought. Everything you do is marketing, so do it well. If you have any questions or follow-up comments about this recording, you can reach me at richteaches, T-E-A-C-H-E-S, at gmail.com. Until we meet again, have a great day, and thanks for listening.